0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Today we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 146 in the Pew Bible. Page 146 in the Pew Bible, Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 25, 146 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own at home... Uh, then please take that pew Bible. That's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So please take that and and read it. It will certainly bless your life. You know, we we I know we have some good die-hard LSU fans here, right? Uh, we've got a few. We've got a few. I'm a Razorback fan, but I wouldn't call myself a die-hard Razorback fan. I'm I'm a fan, uh, but not a die-hard. You, you know, a diehard fan. Uh, when you see them, you, you, you see the Dr. Pepper commercial now, Fanville, uh, that's that's a die-hard fan, right? They they have the clothes. A die-hard LSU fan probably is wearing an LSU shirt or, or something, a hat or something everywhere they go. All right, it's just on them all the time. You, you see it in their houses. They, the home decor has LSU on it. Uh, there's at least one LSU sticker on their vehicle, right? They're die-hard fans. They eat and breathe LSU. They eat and breathe their, their team, whomever that team may be. Their, their life, in, in some ways, kind of even revolves around their team's schedule. All right, if LSU's playing this afternoon, hey, we've got to be home watching the TV. We've got to watch LSU play. All right, that's a die-hard fan. Their, their, their team kind of, uh, it, it just, they just eat and breathe it, right? And, and so that influences their lives day in, day out, wherever they go. That's a part of them. Well, you know, as Christians, we should be die-hard fans of Jesus Christ. Amen? Our allegiance to God should permeate every aspect of our lives. It should be a part of everything that we do. And that's what we see here in our text today. As we're kind of drawing to a close on this section of Deuteronomy where Moses is focusing in on the first commandment, we see here in today's text, wholehearted allegiance to God must pervade every sphere of life wholehearted allegiance to God must pervade every sphere of life. This is what we see in this text this morning. Now to remind you, Moses here is preaching this sermon. And Deuteronomy Deuteronomy is made up of, of a few different sermons, but this is the second sermon in Deuteronomy that Moses is preaching to the people of Israel. And in this sermon, he is expounding and applying God's law, the Ten Commandments. And you remember in in chapter 5, that's where he laid out the law. He gave the law, the Ten Commandments. uh, But now he's going through and he's expounding on that. And he's applying these laws to practical life. And so we're here in the midst of his exposition on the first law. Have no other gods before Yahweh. And he's been explaining this. This is the longest section, by the way. He spends more time on this first commandment than any of the other commandments, and rightfully so because it has to do with our wholehearted allegiance to God. And our wholehearted allegiance to God will affect how we respond and how we apply all the rest of God's law. And so he spends a lot of time on this. And so we see here today... And this, that he is still focusing on this wholehearted allegiance to God, to Yahweh. And we, we know that this is part of that section. We know that chapters 6 through 11 is one complete section because here Moses kind of bookends this whole section. As, as I read the text in a moment, you're going to recognize some of the phraseology here. You're going to recognize some of what he says he, he says a very similar thing, almost exactly the same, just the word order is a little bit different, but he says the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, and now we come back to it again today in 11, 18 through 25, and so last time, last time when we had that message on Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, we kind of brushed over this topic, these, these things that we're going to talk about today, but today we're going to focus in on them. And take a little more time and see how our allegiance to God should permeate every aspect of, of life. And so today I want to show you from our text three spheres of life. Three spheres of life that your allegiance to God should pervade. So three spheres of life that your allegiance to God should pervade. It should saturate these areas of your lives, and, and, and in fact, it, it's all areas, right? It's, it's every area of your life, as you'll see as we looked at these, these three spheres. It, it, it en- encompasses all of life. Well, if you found your place there, I'm going to ask you deck to stand. It's a shorter little text, so we're going to stand, and I'm going to read our text this morning before we get into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall, therefore, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you, sit, when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to, to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all of his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the... from the wilderness to the Lebanon, and from the river to the uh, the river Euphrates to the Western Sea, no one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread, as He promised you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And, Lord, we pray that you would re- write its eternal truth on all our hearts this morning. Oh, Lord, as we get into this text, as we break it down, Lord, let, uh, give us eyes to see. Give us he- ears to hear. And, Lord, give our hearts, uh, let our hearts be willing to obey and conform to your word. Oh, Lord, let our allegiance to you permeate every sphere of our lives Lord no matter what we do or where we go or who we interact with Lord let our allegiance to you be there and affect everything that we do these things I pray in Christ's name amen you may be seated well as we begin to to look at this this morning And do we have it up? No, it's not up there. It's back there, but it's not. No, it's not even back there. Uh, So just to let you know, we're having problems with the PowerPoint. So I'm going to try to repeat. I know some of you like to fill in the blanks. So I will repeat the blanks so that you can fill them in, but they won't be up there today. So sorry about that. It's just technical difficulties. You know how those things go. As we began to look at this today and we look at these spheres of life that should be permeated by our allegiance to God, the first fear is this. Allegiance should pervade your personal life. Your allegiance to God should permeate your personal life. Uh, Who are you when you are alone? When no one else is watching what are you looking at what are you watching what are you thinking about because often who we are alone that's really who we are right we we can we could put on our suit right we can play the hypocrite where we come out of our houses and we put on our face And we have this outward appearance to the world of of who we are. But who are you when you're all alone? When nobody's watching? Who are you in your personal life when no one else is around? Does your allegiance to God affect who you are when you're all alone? That's what Moses is getting at here in our text, in the first part of this text. You see, your allegiance to God should pervade, it should saturate your personal life. Right on down to what you do, what you think, what you watch when you're all alone. Your allegiance to God should permeate your, your personal life. We see it here in our text, notice what he says here. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart. In your heart. In other words, we need to in- e- internalize God's word. That's what he's talking about. This is the word, these words, these commandments that he's giving Israel. This was the first uh, portion of, of the Bible, right? This was the first record of scripture, and he's giving it to Israel. He says, These words, they shall be on your heart. In other words, you need to e- e- internalize them. You need to make it a part of who you are. You need to, uh, hey, hey, memorize some Scripture. Memorize some Scripture. And I know some people say, well, I just can't memorize it anymore. Yes, you can. Right? If it's important to you, you can. Because a lot of people memorize the score from last week's ball game. A lot of people memorize, uh, you know, other things in life. You can memorize Scripture if it's important to you. Now, I'm not saying you have to memorize, you know, chapters of the Bible. There's some people who can do that, and man, that's impressive. But I'm not saying you have to do that. But if you want God's Word to be, to to saturate your personal life, you need to put God's Word on your heart, which means you're going to have to study God's Word, you're going to have to memorize even God's Word. Psalm chapter 19, well, 119, verse 11, David says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, when we memorize Scripture, when we internalize God's Word, we're storing it up on, in our heart, not so that we can quote it, And people say, wow, man, that's awesome. But we memorize it, we internalize it so that when we're alone, when we're living out life, God's word guides us, it gives us direction. I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we want god's word if we want our allegiance to god to permeate our personal lives we've got to internalize god's word his commandments to us now you don't need to memorize like i said all these big long chapters of scripture but but maybe just some key verses here and there right just some key verses here and there uh, we, could also, we could all start by learning the Ten Commandments. I mean, that would be a good place to start. That's what Moses is encouraging the people of Israel at this point in time to do. Memorize the Ten Commandments, right? Hide these words of mine, these ten words in your heart. Put these laws in your heart. Memorize them. Because when we memorize them, then we can think about it. Now, Now, we've been spending weeks on the First Commandment. You'll have, no other Lord, or you'll have no other gods before Yahweh. We've been spending weeks on that, expounding that, applying that. You don't need to remember Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 11. All you need to do is re- need to memorize that first one, right? That first commandment. I'll have no other gods before Yahweh. And then if you memorize that when you're in a situation, you already know, you automatically know that Hey, my allegiance to God is in everything. In everything that I do, my allegiance to God must influence that. So memorize the Ten Commandments. And and then in different times of life, maybe you're dealing with different things. You're dealing with different things. And so maybe you find a verse of Scripture that deals with the thing that you're going through. and, And you just meditate on that a while. You internalize it. You memorize it. For example, if you're dealing with temptation, you might memorize 1 Corinthians chapter ten, verse three or thirteen. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man, but, it, but God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Or perhaps you're going through a time of persecution. Were you being persecuted for your faith? Maybe you want to memorize Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Whatever season of life you may be going through, find a text of Scripture that deals with that. Meditate on it. Read over it over and over and over again. Do your best to memorize it, to internalize it so that that helps you deal with life in a way that is pleasing and honoring to God. So internalize God's Word. But not just that, we also need to apply God's Word. You need to apply God's Word. You need to put it into practice. Larry... Talked about this in his prayer a while ago. I noticed that. James chapter one, verses twenty two through twenty-five. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Right? He sees all the imperfections there. His hair is out of whack. It's a mess but instead of doing anything for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like but the one who looks in the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing we need to apply god's word to our lives not just memorizing it again so that we can quote it and impress people but make it a part of us how does this text of scripture affect my life what should i think say or do differently because of this passage of scripture we need to apply god's word allegiance to permeate your personal life when you're alone when no one else is watching give your wholehearted allegiance to the lord Second, allegiance should pervade your family life. Your allegiance to God should pervade your family life. It should saturate your family life. How you are with your wife, your kids, your grandkids, mom, dad. It should affect your family life. He gets at this in the next little line of Scripture. Verse 19 you shall teach them, you shall teach these words to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in the house in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you should teach them diligently to your children. It, it should be a part of your daily conversation. There should be informal there should be formal, excuse me, there should be formal instruction, formal instruction. Uh, that's what we do when we sit down with someone and we say all right here's what god's word says here's what it, we need to do because of that the church helps out with the formal instruction the church is not supposed to do all the formal instruction parents you've got to do some formal instruction too right you have to teach your kids how to live out god's word you, you have to teach them what the bible says you got to teach them when when problems arise in life. You have to ask that question, well, what does God's Word say about this? How does God's Word say we should address this issue, this problem, this thing that we're going through? There's formal instruction, but not only is there formal instruction, but there's also lots and lots and lots of informal instruction. There's a lot of informal instruction, That's what he talks about here as he goes on there. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your houses and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. That is informal instruction. As you're doing life with your kids, as you're doing life with your family, there's a lot of instruction that's going on there. You're teaching them. You're teaching them just by the way you act. Just by the way you respond to things, you are teaching them. Informal instruction includes instruction by example. It it includes instruction by example. You know, long before I ever even knew how to read, right? I couldn't even read, more more or less, uh, pick up the Bible and read it, right? Before I could ever read the first word, my parents and my grandparents were teaching me how to be a godly person. How? By living it out in their own lives. They were an example to me. They were a model to me, and they were teaching me godliness by the way they lived. But not only by example, not only by example, but also by explanation. By explanation. I've shared this before. Some of our greatest theological talks have, have uh, been when we're just driving down the road on vacation or, or whatever. We're just driving down the road and, and, and things come up. And, and so we talk about it. And, and there's explanation of why we do things the way we do things. Why we respond to the world the way we respond to the world. While we don't do certain things, even though friends and neighbors do those things, we don't do those things. Why? Because God's Word says such and such. Moses points this out. We go back a, a few chapters here. In chapter 6, chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, he, he gets at this. When your, sons at, when your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded you? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do we not do like our neighbors over here? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might... uh, so that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. When they ask you, Dad, why do you do that? My friend's dad, he, he, don't, he, he doesn't do that. He does this. Why do you not do that? Because God's Word says that's not a good thing to do. God's Word says that's not a a way that a a child of His should act. That's why I do the things I do. You see, there's explanation. And through those explanations, we teach our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We teach them to be allegiant to God. God. Allegiance should pervade your family life. Be a living example of allegiance to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, your parents, kids even. Right? You can be an example to even your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your next-door neighbor. Be an example in your family of the allegiance to, wholehearted allegiance to God. Wholehearted allegiance to God should pervade your private life, your family life. And third, allegiance should pervade your public life. Allegiance to God should pervade your public life. How you live out in the world. Notice what he says here. You shall write them, these words. You shall write God's word on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, That is, you're to live it out in the world. We'll get back to this in a minute, but uh, you're to live it out in the world. Your public life should be influenced. It should uh, should reflect your wholehearted allegiance to God. You know, how can President Joe Biden claim to be a staunch Catholic? Yet, yet he says that the Supreme Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v. Wade is a threat to the soul of the nation. How can he do that? How can he be a staunch Catholic, So, so he says, how can he be a staunch Catholic yet uphold abortion? Promote abortion. How? Because he is bought into this view that religion is a public, as uh, a private affair only. And you're not to live out your faith in public. You see, that's why our world tells Christians oh, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to have those moral views, that's fine for you in your home, in your church, but don't bring it into the public square. If you're you're a Christian, you, you shouldn't be a politician. If you're a Christian, leave your Christianity at home. Don't bring it to the courthouse. Don't bring it to the White House. Don't bring it to the Capitol. We're to leave it at home. But God's Word says that our allegiance to God must be wholehearted allegiance. It affects every part of our life, even our public life. We can't. Say that we're a Christian. We can't say that we believe in the sovereignty of God. We can't believe we, we believe in the sacredness of human life and go out and support abortion, which kills babies. We can't do it. Anyone who turns off Christianity in public, they're not a Christian. Their allegiance isn't to God. Their allegiance is to something or someone else. Our allegiance to God must be wholehearted allegiance, and it must affect every part of our life. It must permeate every part of our life, private life, home life, and public life. We don't turn it off just because the world doesn't like it. We cannot do that. Jesus calls His disciples. He tells us, you are the light of the world. Not the light in the church house. Not the light at home. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand... And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're not to hide the light of Jesus in us it's not for the house, it's not for the church, it's for the world. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your allegiance to God shine out of you. Let it shine out for you in public practice. Public practice. He says there in our text, write them on the doorpost of your house. Now, in ancient Israel they did do that. They did literally they wrote it on the doorpost of their house. And so when they would walk in and out there would be the the sign whether well, some of the people put the whole 10 commandments there on their doorpost, some put a a symbol of the Shema, the symbol of God's commandments to them so that they were always reminded. But Moses is not talking about home decor here. That's not the point of this. It doesn't matter if you have Scripture in your house, but you don't live it out outside of your house. The the doorpost was a person's place to go in and out and go out into the world and and interact with other people. So take your allegiance out of your house, out of the doorpost of your house, into the world and practice your allegiance to God before others. We're to live out our faith in community, in the world. When we go to Walmart, when we go to a ball game, when we go fishing out on the lake, even when we go deer hunting and we're sitting there on the stand by ourselves, right? We're to live out our faith. We're to practice our faith in public. Not only that, but through public influence. Through public influence. We're to live out our faith so that we influence the world around us. That's what he's getting at. He says, write that on your gates. Write it on your gates. They didn't have a little gate in front of their house. No, he's not talking about the gate on your fence outside your house. They didn't have that. He's talking about the city gates. He's talking about the city gates. Write God's word, write his commandments on the city gate. Why why did he say that? Because in Israel, where did public policy form? It was at the gates. You see, the, the gate was the place of meeting. And the elders of the city, they would go to the gates and they would meet there. They would hold trials there court trials they would hold them at the gates they would make public policy at the gates and so he says write them on your gates let your allegiance to God be an influence to how you make policies how you deal with the community we're to use our faith to influence the world And I praise Christians who are willing to go to Washington and uphold Christian values. I praise them and I pray for them because they have an uphill battle, amen? And so we need to support those people, but not just them. Even us, when we're living out in our community, we're to build relationships so that we can influence the people around us influence policies, influence the way our community operates, influence for the glory of God. We're to practice our allegiance to God, public practice through public influence, but here's one I'm going to add. It's not in our text, but we can add it through public proclamation. Public proclamation because Jesus tells us to do that. Jesus commands the church, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have taught you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells his church, to practice public proclamation, to proclaim the glory of the gospel to the lost people around us. You know, that's the chief way that we see change in our community. It's not through public policies. Right? We can make some changes there, and praise God we can do that, but the, the most important way and the most significant way that the church influences the public around us, the culture around us, is through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. By proclaiming the Gospel and seeing all souls turn to Jesus Christ. To seeing those who were caught in, in death come to life. To see the old pass away and the new come. That's the way. That's the way. We influence the world around us by sharing the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Jesus. I was talking to a man last week, a man who was talking about how he, he just shared his faith and he, he just shared this with me and it, it just encouraged me and brought me joy, but he shared how he, he just makes it a... a Point of life that he shares the gospel every week. Every week. He, he tries to share the gospel with one person, at least one person, every week. And he said, even at work, even at work, like everybody there knows that he's going to share the gospel with somebody. And, and so if a new person comes on staff at the place that he works, uh, they're like, well, when are you going to ask them? When you are you going to hit them with it? When are you going to share the gospel with them? Sometimes they'll do it in front of the person. So he has to say, well, I guess right now. But, but he said, you know, he's not supposed to do that. Because in our world, in our day, in our age, you're not supposed to share your faith at work. But you know what he says? I just, I'm careful. But he said, you know, this is what I've, decided. He said, if I get fired for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost soul, if I get fired for being obedient to Jesus, what better reason to get fired? Be faithful. Be faithful. Let your wholehearted allegiance to God permeate your public life so that you make the public proclamation of Jesus a part of your life. Obey Jesus. He says, go, make disciples. Obey Jesus and share the gospel with the lost. Wholehearted allegiance to God must pervade every sphere of life. And look what can happen Look what can happen if we allow wholehearted allegiance to God permeate our lives. Look what Moses says tells the people of Israel, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all His ways, and holding fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot tread shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon... And to, and from the river, the ri- river Euphrates, to the western sea, no one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he promised you. Now, we're not Israel going into the land of Palestine to conquer. But notice what he, he's pointing at here. Notice the blessings that, that God promises those who live out their their allegiance to God, their wholehearted allegiance to God in their private life, their family life, and their public life. Strongholds will not be able to stand against you. Lost souls who are dead will be raised to life when you share your faith. Even Jesus says, He promises the church, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And hell, (laughs) right? Hell will not be able to overcome you. Oh, what wonderful promises if we would live out our faith, live out our allegiance in every sphere of life. You know, the great... Welsh Awakening. Owen was here last week and he mentioned this, but the the great Welsh revival that took place in 1904 to 1906 exemplifies what happens when the Great Commission is obeyed and the Holy Spirit awakens dead souls and brings them to life. One writer noted, during the time of the revival, the police were left With virtually nothing to do. And the courts were empty. Saloons and bars shut down for lack of business. Public drunkenness was almost non-existent. Old debts, many long forgotten, were paid off in full. Traveling uh, theatrical agencies canceled their engagements as everyone was in church. Wow profanity disappeared it was said that horses everywhere were in complete confusion they had become accustomed to responding to their master's profane shouts and kicks and cursing virtually all of which had disappeared even the horses didn't know what to do when a curse wasn't added to the command oh wow what can happen When the church lives out wholehearted allegiance to God and does what she is called to do, to live out her faith in private, at home, and in the world. We need Christians to start allowing their allegiance to Christ to pervade every sphere of their lives. You remember that old childhood song that we all grew up singing? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let that be your anthem as you leave today. Let your light so, so shine before the world that the lost people of this world would see your good works, see your faithfulness, and give glory to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray today. So often, all of us would most likely have to confess that all, so often we allow the things of this world to cl- crowd our lives, Lord. <clears throat> to get in the way and, and even... Blur our allegiance to you. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for hiding our light. Lord, give us the power, give us the strength, give us the determination to live out our faith before the world. let our wholehearted allegiance to you permeate every sphere of our lives so that you might receive glory and honor. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.